Hi, I'm Eric. And I'm Megan. And this is Cinema Super Collider, where we're smashing up cinema one movie at a time. Greetings, my friends. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here, my friend. Can your heart stand the shocking fact about cinema, take a look at the 1977 Evil Knievel movie vehicle. Viva Knievel. Yeah, this was one of the, there was a, several movies about Evil Knievel. Uh, there was a documentary and there was a, a movie, like a made-for-TV movie starring George Hamilton as Evil, Kn- Evil Knievel. But this one, I think, is kind of special because Evil Knievel is actually in it and he's acting with real actors. Like, and he's playing himself. He's playing himself. Like, legitimately, he is playing Evil Knievel. Yeah. Now, you may be asking yourself, didn't you guys just start March O'Gortner month? And you're right, we did. The reason we're doing Viva Knievel is because Marge O'Gortner appears as Jesse. Yeah, Marge O'Gortner has a, a significant part in this film. He, he has to, uh, well, well, we'll talk about it as we discuss the film. But Marjo Gortner does a fine job in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yep, this I is think a, so. Yep, this is just a, a, a one of many Marjo Gortner uh, special appearances, or you know, as the credits rolled for this particular movie, he was the guy that was at the end that was and. Yeah, Marjo he got an Gortner. and credit when yeah. uh, the credits were rolling by at the beginning. First, it starts with a song, which is very catchy, the mm-hmm. Viva Knievel song. That's true, it is. Viva, Viva, Viva Knievel. Viva, Viva, Viva The movie starts with stunts. Because why? Because Evil Knievel was a noted stuntman of the, I would say, what, 70s and 80s? Yeah, wow. I didn't even talk about who Evil Knievel was. I figure everybody knows who that is. I think that, I think there's name recognition. I think some people are like, oh, right, he's the guy who jumps things with the motorcycle. Famously referenced in the Simpsons episode where... Someone jumps things with the motorcycle. Yeah, the shark tank and the lions and all that kind of thing. Evil Knievel actually did that in real life. Right. And crashed a lot of the time. Most of the time, it would seem. <laughs> it seems like it. One of the things he was most well known for, in addition to the stunts he would do, is the just massive amounts of injuries that he would get doing them. Like constantly in the hospital, breaking his arms, breaking his bones, you know, uh, concussions left and right. It kind of seemed like that was part of the show if you were going to go see Evil Knievel do a stunt because 
90% of the time, he was going to basically land on his head. But the 10% of the time, that was the exciting time. Also, Evil Knievel was friends of children. It's true, he was. And he was very much against drugs. Which, uh, there's, a, there's a little bit of his shtick about uh, don't do drugs, kids, yeah, in this film. Yeah, before every jump, he would do a, a, a little monologue about how kids shouldn't do drugs. And he didn't want to be associated with the Hells Angels because the Hells Angels dealt drugs. And so mm-hmm. he was very, very pure about that. He also had a thing that he had to keep his word. That was another one of his tenets that he had to keep. But the, the movie starts with some action scenes. Right, we see we see motorcycle people jumping over things, and you see clips from Evil Knievel shows. That's in the credits, at least. Yeah. So the movie starts with him going into, sneaking into a Catholic children's hospital or school. I think it's a hospital for kids. I think it's a hospital for, for, for kids. Like orphans, it seemed like. It's an Orpen hospital. It's an Orpen hospital. Does your Orpen have a broken leg? Send him to this hospital. So he's, you see... There's a sort of suspenseful music playing while you see this shadowy figure sneaking into this building, and he creeps along with the holding this big box, and he goes sits on some little boy's bed and wakes him up, and again, ah, Evil Knievel, you're here. I'm not the kid who normally sleeps in this bed. Da 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 da. And Evil Knievel's got all kinds of toys, Evil Knievel toys, of course, Evil Knievel action figures, merchandising, motorcycle jumping mm-hmm. things, and all the kids wake up. In the, it's uh, like Santa came, except yeah. instead it's just a weird middle-aged man with a little bit of a paunch climbing through your window and right. sitting on your bed. And that's where he says, you know, I made a promise to this kid to be here, and when I say something, I always keep my word. And of course, and the so, obligatory Catholic nun who takes care of all the children in the orphan hospital orphanage. Yeah, there was one kid with a crutch, and he's like, I'm going to walk soon, just like you, evil. And <laughs> it's... It's it's just it's kind of weird to have an adult man sneaking into a children's hospital yeah, in the think, middle of the night. I unless you're Santa Claus, and even that's kind of creepy. Yeah, unless yeah, it's a man in a leather jumpsuit. It's right, a little it, weird. I don't know if he he was not wearing a leather jumpsuit. First of all, he the fashions on display in this movie they're are, abominable. They are they're awful. A full example of bad seventies fashion in full flower. Nineteen seventy seven, I think. The, the polyester, like Wide, giant lapels yeah. and huge spread collars and uh, like leisure suits. Leisure suits mm-hmm. and, oh, you know, just those, terrible high heel boots. Those like weird and, leather jackets. What were those called? Like fringy Like jackets? a Nehru jacket? Was oh, that? a Nehru jacket. That's, that's another one. That's a different one. But yeah, yeah. no, the fringy ones too. Those yeah. Were, those were bad. Yeah, there, there was a lot of terrible fashion on display. Of, so I think he snuck into the orphanage wearing like one of his fancy suits, not his uh, right with his all leather of his, jumpsuit, all of his jewelry. Because he kind of oh, that's right. He's kind of like it's almost like disco era, like chains and rings and shit. Yeah, yeah. He you see his ring when he reaches down to help this kid. Later on, someone asks him about his ring. Is it a like, diamond? Says, no, it's not diamonds. It's a television set. That's how expensive my ring is. And she's like, oh, <laughs> oh you're so clever. Yeah. I have the vapors now for yeah. So he starts yeah. out by by. Giving the kids Christmas presents, I guess. He brought presents. I think for- it was just like toys for tots kind of thing. I don't think yeah. it was like Christmas necessarily. It was right before a jump. So he had he had to sneak in in the middle of the night because he had to be in California the next Los day. Los Angeles. Do a jump. Yeah. At the Veterans Memorial Stadium. Right. Mm-hmm. And we come in and his manager, is it? Red Buttons. Red Buttons is his promoter. 
his promoter. Which is why I think that they could get away with kind of making him seem a little skeevy and like sleazy. Yeah, he had this weird neckerchief on and a funny hat. It was very like Mr. Roper-esque. Yeah, yeah. And he's like trying to make some deal, we see, like putting up some bleachers in an area where they're not supposed to be put up. But he doesn't care about safety. No, no. Safety is for suckers. I mean... Well, I mean, he's, you know, he's uh, yeah. pretty much, yeah. Evil I mean, if you evil. could look, if you could make an extra like $1,500 off of an event by just uh, setting up a couple of benches in, in you know, the, the side field or whatever, then... Put some bleachers out, on the, out in the sun and watch evil... Jump, jump, jump directly highway, into you? <laughs> down 50, Highway 51. Right. So we start with that, and then he shows up at the scene and sort of bosses a bunch of people around. We're introduced to his mechanic, Gene Kelly. Yeah, that Gene Kelly. You're thinking like d- singing in the rain, dancing Gene Kelly? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's a rough part of his career He was right also now. in Xanadu right around this time. Xanadu is slightly after. I believe Xanadu was 1980. We did yeah. a show on that a million years ago. Maybe I'll post that. Xanadu. Xanadu. Uh, but yeah, Gene Kelly's like, he's in his mid sixties and he's looking real rough. He's supposed to play an alcoholic in the movie. Yeah. And, uh, allegedly, allegedly. And uh, I don't know, maybe he's just a good actor. I don't know what his blood alcohol level was when he was playing this role, but I mean, he seemed like he'd had just enough to like really look like he's an alcoholic. I'm not sure, but I'm willing to bet he could blow up 0.1 or higher. Oh, I'm sure. After what? 30, 40 years in the business or even more. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, I'm he was, sure he was, he seemed like he was a little jolly on the, sure. on the happy sauce. So th- this is before the jump. And so we're learning about all of these characters and in comes a helicopter. Right. Like from out of nowhere. They're all in the, the veteran stadium mm-hmm. in, in California, uh, like the day before the show, you know, checking everything out. And this helicopter lands and out jumps this blonde lady in a leisure suit. Yes, a uh, peach pan- leisure suit. Well, it's a pantsuit. It's a pantsuit. They called them pantsuits yeah, for ladies. ladies had pantsuits. Right. So she comes out in a peach pantsuit, and then the helicopter takes off, fucks off. I mean, she just, like, that's how important she is. Yeah, she walks out, and then she climbs on top of a car that's sitting in the field that yeah. belongs to one of the, the, like, crew people. Yeah, she whips out a very expensive, fancy Nikon camera and starts snapping pics. And Evil's, like, with his, all of his fans, he's like, he likes to be with his fans. Yeah. And he's like, wait a minute, I just saw a helicopter land and some ladies taking pictures. I got to go over and check this out. I'll be right back. He's always like, every time he has to walk away from the fans, he's like, don't you worry, I'll be right back. And he's a guy who's got that wink. He's one of those men. Mm-hmm. The men that look at ladies and they're like, ha ha, I'm going to say something clever and then I'm going to walk away, but I'm going to wink before I do. Yeah. Winkity wink, wink, wink. Yeah. He's not trying to pick you up. He's just trying to like, it's he's, like, he's, he's just being that. He's just being like a little bit flirty. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's not a good guys I just want to like I just want as a lady I just want to say I'm not pro wink don't wink at ladies or or women or anyone really or men it's not the way you think it is so he goes to a peach pantsuit lady and it turns out it's Lauren Hutton famous model Lauren Hutton yeah model actress Lauren Hutton is taking pictures of him and he's already got like a bug up his ass it's like what do you want to do take a picture of me dying and she says, well, you know, that, maybe, you know, would, for the magazine sales, that would be really, I'm not hoping you crash, but, uh, you know, it's but like, if your head falls off, if your head falls off and he's like, well, yeah, I'll talk to you later, young lady. He stalks off mm-hmm. and uh, he goes in his trailer and then he finds out that his 
promoter was screwing him out of money that that he owed him. Right. And, and so, Evil's like sitting there lounging on the thing and Red Buttons comes in and says, oh, well, here's your money from the jump. And Evil says, yeah, and what about that extra money you got from setting up those bleachers? And he's like, what? I don't, I, you never, I, well, I'm going to have to quit if you, but. There's a lot of acting on display in the scene. Oh my goodness, Red Buttons acting. It's all, but, it's all on Red Buttons. buttons. Off, yeah. Yes, because Evil Knievel, while not really playing anyone other than himself, is actually a fairly charismatic guy, I would say. It's, you know, he can, he can definitely capture the crowd's attention, but in an acting exercise, uh, not sure. Well, he's, he's a better actor than a piece of wood. True. Yes. Very true. He is, uh, <laughs> the, the, the yardstick by which we measure all things, the movie things. He's a very good actor. Compared oh, compared to, to that. <laughs> yes. Yes. If, we, if that is the yardstick by which we are measuring acting talent, uh, then Evil Knievel is like a fucking Oscar-winning star. Yeah, anyway, Evil Knievel was super-duper popular as a daredevil at the time. He was making all kinds of money. He set some record doing two jumps at the Astrodome, where it was like he sold 100,000 seats two days in a row to go see him jump cars or something on his mm-hmm. motorcycle. They, You know, he'd go up a ramp, and there'd be cars, and he'd jump, and he'd land on a downwards ramp. And as many times as not, he'd completely fall off his bike fall off his bike and he'd break his pelvis he'd break his collarbone he'd break his he had a compound fracture of the arm and both legs and one uh thing he had a crushed pelvis he uh he he was also a very uh, strong proponent of helmets which saved his life at some point and does he does make a point several times in this movie of pointing out like helmet safety for kids always yeah he's always putting on helmets on people and and telling them to ride with helmets Mm mm-hmm so, you know, after after his little uh, argument with uh, his uh, promoter, uh, we uh, we go and see, like, the the antagonists of this movie. And Not what quite yet. Oh, no? No, because there's one, one very important character which has to roll in before we see the bad guys. And that is Gene Cully's lost son, who's been at boarding school for God knows how many years. I think he says he's, like... 11 or 12? He looks like a young Angus Young. Yes. Yeah. Well, Angus yeah, young, when he shows up in, young, his, young Angus in young. his like Catholic school uniform, yeah. He's got a little beanie cap on and shorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So he looks like that. And he's like, hey, Dad, I'm here. And Gene Kelly's like, I don't have any kids. And he's like, ah, ah, you're my dad. I sent you a bunch of letters. He's like, I didn't get your letters. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. He's like, I got nowhere to stay. And, and you can <laughs> you can see the, the moment of like, there's a moment where Gene Kelly's like, is it wrong to just abandon your child? Like, I mean, I, I don't, it's I don't have to. more than even abandonment. He actively dislikes this kid. Yes, he, he does. He really does. And, and that's his acting. And it comes out later, you know, maybe why he feels like that way. Like at the end of the movie, there's like a throwaway line. I think, I think Evil Knievel's the one who. Or, they no. see they see pictures or yeah, there's some It's either Lord, I can't remember if it's Evil Knievel or Lauren Hutton, but one of the two of them is like Ah, uh, it might be Lauren Hutton. It, I think it's when that, Lauren yeah. Hutton gets out of the car later on and is yeah, like, he, I've been he driving eleven reads them both, yeah. Yeah, I've been driving eleven hundred miles and and all you do is talk about your kid and now you're like pretending like you don't want anything to do with him. Yeah. And, and evil like, you're trying to steal your this kid away from the, your mechanic and you want him to be your a, kid. It is kinda I I think that the they set it up that it was like, Oh, you know, I wish I had a son like this. But there are moments when, like, 
evil Knievel is with the the son of his mechanic, and it's like, that's that's sus, dude. Like, don't. I know you're just trying to be a good guy and like, you know, give him, you know, ice cream and lollipops, but like, you're, you're kind of you're a little creepy. Uh, by today's standards, I think at the time, if you if they had showed him more with the ice cream and lollipops, if they'd and shown him with show the actual him, things, yeah, teaching him how to ride a motorcycle, like, oh, this is how you switch gears with this and that, and then you know, having him go and playing with the kid and honestly i think it could have been a better movie if they had just focused in on, on the, the the kid the father-son relationship and the kid and the relationship between lauren hutton and him and you know all against the the sprawling backdrop of the daredevil industry right you know uh but there has to be this subplot which i think really drags the movie down fortunately it's led by Leslie Nielsen. Yes, and it's one of the most bizarre drug smuggling concepts I think I've ever seen in a movie. And we've seen many a drug smuggling or drug leader, you know, well, storyline. I mean, Stone Cold, right? right there. I was, just, I was just, I was just about to say Stone Cold with the, the except for the judge part at the end. But I mean, they, they yeah. this was their, their main thing was drugs. Drugs, yeah. of course, drugs. Drugs are like that. <laughs> like what? <laughs> like like Lego sets. <laughs> No, like Lance Hendrickson and a bunch of naked ladies oh. taking showers outside. <laughs> right, in, a, in a, a, a fascist camp. Oh, my God. But that's not in this movie. No, no, no. No. Uh, in this movie, no, we, we have uh, Leslie Nielsen. So, right, we're going to cut to the bad guys. The bad guys who have the weirdest drug smuggling plot I think I've ever seen in a movie. And we've seen plenty of drug smuggling movies, or at least drug ring movies. Stone Cold being one that we can just think of right off the top of our head, which was a much more straightforward drug movie than this one, and it has many missing details in it. But this movie has many details about how the drug smuggling is going to happen. Now, at the top of the drug smuggling regime is none other than Leslie Nielsen. This is slightly before he became known as that comedy guy. Then there was Yeah, he became the comedy guy in Airplane just right. a few years later. But he had this reputation of being sort of like a, a real like stiff man, which is why he was funny in Airplane. It right. Was, you know, because he was. Because he's a super serious called, doctor. Yeah, super serious doctor character. That's right. And so when he'd say something silly, it was really funny. And here's he was in a serious phase and he was a drug lord. Yes. And he had this Frank. special plan. It involved Marjo Gortner. Right. That Who's the other sort of. He's he's mostly a bad guy in this movie, but then he has like his his reckoning. He's kind of manipulated into being bad guy maybe he was a good guy at one point because he was he studied under the tutelage of the great evil Knievel then he burst away on his own right because he you know what he was doing what drugs (laughs) drugs are like that and we'll find out later from from evil's very own pep talk before his his uh jump exactly how many years you get before you yeah, it's like five or ten years. I think you get from like five drugs. or ten years, which <laughs> seems like it seems like probably, pretty good. Yeah, five or ten years, honestly. It. Yeah, probably worth it, especially if you're going to do this kind of work. The, so we the got plot is revealed at right. first. It, it has to be revealed in sections, sort of through the movie. But uh, I mean, they they give you enough of an information dump that you get the idea of what it involves. So the first thing that you have to do is somehow convince. Evil Knievel to go to Mexico to do some special jumps. That's where the drugs are. That's where the drugs are. They're, they live in Mexico, but they, you know, they're not a regular drug smuggling operation. They are a Evil Knievel centric drug smuggling operation. So once you get Evil Knievel to Mexico, 
then it actually before you get him there you have to have jesse aka marjo gortner sneak into his trailer his special trailer where his motorcycles live take a bunch of pictures so that they can make an identical trailer to the one that evil knievel travels with that has all of his like gear and motorcycle shit and all that kind of stuff in it so first we go to mexico then, you know, all of the people connected with Evil Knievel are going to drive to Mexico, which is where our fakey fake trailer is. What are we going to put in the walls of the trailer? Drugs. Yes, drogas. Drogas. So we have a drug trailer now. So we're going to ditch Evil Knievel's actual trailer, get the drug trailer, hook it back up to the caravan that's going to be coming back to the United States because why? Because we're going to sabotage Evil Knievel's motorcycle that he's going to make his special jumps on, thanks to the machinations of Cameron Mitchell, who's also in this movie. Once the motorcycle explodes its wheel during the jump, Evil Knievel will very surely die. Got that, everybody? We're still not done yet. Once he's dead, because of this jump that we've sabotaged, he's going to basically be you know, uh, escorted back into the United States on his special trailer, which is now the fake trailer that is now full of drugs. And that is how the drugs are going to get out of the country because nobody would, I guess, check a trailer with a dead person in it just for, I don't know, smuggling or anything. Now, is this the same trailer where he's got like the conversation pit and the sofa and the television set and the stereo and the shag rug? And no, 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 that's no. That's a different vehicle. That's a different vehicle. Okay, this is a, like another trailer that goes Is this with like it. the work trailer? Now, this what is the about if they did trailer. this? What if they had this jump in Mexico mm-hmm. and Evil Knievel makes the jump mm-hmm. and then comes back to the U.S. except they pull the old switcheroo on the trailer? You can't do that. Because somebody would find the drugs. How? Why? I mean, they built like an exact, like, like a photorealistic exact copy of it's, the... You would think so. Yes, you would think that's true, but... And I, I mean, think... they, Gene Kelly, they, they conspired to have him locked in a mental institution Very in, true. in Mexico. To keep him away from the trailer. To keep him away from the trailer that had the fake walls with the drugs in it. Yes. Um, so, I mean, you didn't have to kill Evil Knievel. I guess they just wanted to. I think, well, I think that they were... I think the plan is overcomplicated. I think step one (laughs) is to smuggle drugs. Step two is to get Marjo Gortner to become the next evil Knievel. And then I guess just working off of the pattern here, step three would be murder Marjo Gortner to to smuggle your next shipment of drugs in. Sure. I mean, if this is if this is how we've decided that drug smuggling is going to work. Yes, and so we (laughs) we're given this information dump sort of near the beginning of the movie and. We're both sitting there. I mean, I've seen this movie like three times. I've seen it a few times as well. Right. And, uh, you know, I've heard this explanation multiple times, so, and I know how the movie goes, and I'm still scratching my head like, wait, it's what? The, it's just the dumbest thing. It's just, it's just it's, so extra. Yeah, it's super overcomplicated. Why don't you just put him on a plane and then fly him into the country? Right. So, step one. The one. Step, I mean, okay, so you broke it down into like the larger steps. The smaller steps are step one. Marjo Gortner is our uh, mole. Mole. He's our mole. He's our goon. He's going to do what we tell him to do. Mm-hmm. He's got to go and make friends with Evil Knievel. So Evil Knievel will take him along on the trip and, you know, hopefully work something out with him. So 
he shows up one day and jumps over Evil Knievel on a motorcycle. He ju- he physically jumps over Evil Knievel on a motorcycle. I don't think it was Marjo Gordner doing that stunt. No, because as we we did some research, and by we I mean Eric mostly. Uh, and you looked into the the thing that he Evil Knievel used to do this stunt. Evil Knievel did this the first time he did this stunt. The motorcycle hit him in the crotch, and he broke. He he was thrown fifteen feet and broke a bunch of bones. Yes, so you know. See, imagine this: you have a guy on a motorcycle speeding at you at about sixty miles an hour, and you're standing there. And you do like a leapfrog thing. You leap into the air with your legs spread and you bounce your hands off the back of the motorcycle rider as he comes between your legs. And then, you know, he goes his own way. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's like not everybody can do that. No, <laughs> no one should really do that, I yeah. think. And so they, they, they get together and he's like, hey, Marjo Gortner, we used to be friends. What happened? And he says, oh, I'm working for some other guy. You should come meet me and I'll... Uh, I'll, I'll offer you some money. And he's like, nah, nah, no way. I got my own thing. Well, and he had just gotten into an argument with Red Buttons. But the thing that he kind of pulls a little switcheroo on is like he was angry at Red Buttons for taking money that he was supposed to give evil because the extra seats. But now he's standing up for Red Buttons because he's like, look, uh, this guy booked me in these two other gigs. I got to do them. I made a promise. I don't walk away from my promises, even if it's with this guy who's kind of sleazy. And, you know, there's a lot of eye rolling from red buttons. But Bros before Marjo's. <laughs> right? But what if Marjo is your bro? Well, Marjo was his bro, but Marjo got on the wrong side of evil. And red buttons is still, you know, even though he stole from evil, he gave the money back and said he was really sorry. Yeah, I so I guess you know, evil still giving him a chance. I mean, he only has one more scene in the movie, so yeah, that's true. Red buttons <laughs> is out of the movie. Yeah the the thing to know about this movie is because Irwin Allen was associated with it, a lot of the people who worked for Irwin Allen, both cast and crew wise, kind of came along to this movie. It was sort of a thank you from his crew to this other director and his crew that he could bring these people along and have them star in the movie. Yeah. Irwin so, Allen was a famous director and producer who did disaster. Movies, he did like the, the, the towering, towering inferno, inferno right. and also the Poseidon, Poseidon adventure <laughs> in unison. Wow. Stereo. This is how, you know, Eric and I have uh, been together for a long time is we were locked we, up together. We're synced up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Cause half the time, neither one of us can remember people's names or the things that they're associated with. Oh, and Frank Gifford is in this film, too. As Frank Gifford. As Frank Gifford. So, now, Frank now, Gifford is a former I, football player. <laughs> I, was, I was just about to say, like, I, there's a certain percentage of our audience that will know who Frank Gifford is, but I don't think most of them oh, will. No one's going to know who Red Buttons is, either. Oh, my so, God. That's yeah. true. All of these people were important long before you, the listener, needed to know who they were. I mean, the A-listers are, you know, the Gene Kellys and... Cameron Mitchell's. I mean, Cameron Mitchell Cameron isn't Mitchell's even an not A-lister. A, no, he's not an A-lister. Red Buttons is not a, a an Red Buttons A-lister. was at one point in time had much higher stock than he does in this particular. Dabney point. Coleman is in this movie briefly as, yeah, as a doctor. As a, yeah, as a this is before psychiatrist. this was before either Dabney Coleman or Leslie Nielsen was high enough on the the billing chart to even make the credits at the beginning of yeah, the film. You didn't get an and. Dabney Coleman, you got an and Marjo Gortner. So. Well, you didn't even get a Dabney Coleman in the uh, in the opening credits, nor was Leslie Nielsen in the credits. Right, right. So, yeah. and he's the big bad, which is kind of weird. 
Yeah, I mean, by today's standards, I mean, we see him as a comedy guy. Yeah, now. that's true. And it's so hard to see him as a serious guy. You know, I also remember him from the 1956 sci-fi movie, Forbidden Planet, based on a Shakespeare play, The Tempest, which uh, is a good movie. You should see that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is classic sci-fi. Uh, other than that, I think he was kind of like one of these dudes that was in the background of every episode of, you know, Adam 12 or... Mm-hmm. You, you know, every like cop I've, show or whatever that was on. You know, I feel on, like, like actors. Sunset Strip, 77 Sunset Strip. I feel like actors in the 60s and 70s and to be fair, 80s. Like if you were good enough to get a guest role on one TV show, you were pretty much on a, like a guest spot in every TV show that that network had. And I don't know if that was yeah. like part of the studio system when for the older you know, shows or if that just was like, oh, we used, you know, we used Bob Smith on Cagney and Lacey this week. And so we'll have him on, uh, you know. Yeah, he's in town. We might as well, you know, give him, like, call his agent and see if he wants to do it. Yeah. You know, it's like a walk yeah, on, be on like a couple lines. You can do like, NYPD Blue. They, they right. need like a guy that exactly, does a thing. Exactly. You know, like and that, then right. and then it's like, oh, okay, well, that, oh, and then he's on Barney Miller, you know, because we're working our way through all the cop <laughs> shows. <laughs> That's right. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a good time to have a type. Yeah, I mean, Frank Gifford might have appeared on Barney Miller, <laughs> you know, yeah, like true. not as Frank Gifford, but as like some other person. Yeah. And, yeah. It was, and so Frank Gifford is a former football player who became a football announcer for many, many years yes. on ABC. Yes. And is, is famously married to Kathy Lee Gifford, who is a television host. She's a triple threat. She is. She's a dancer, singer, composer, writer, Mary, director. She was, she was wife of Frank Gifford. But yeah, it was it, wife of a famous guy. But yeah, she was she was the other part of the Regis and Kathy Lee show for many, many, wow, many it years. All goes, it all goes back to Regis and Kathy Lee somehow. Yeah. So Frank is there announcing at the at the big jump, which Evil's going to do. There's a whole sort of production to an Evil Knievel uh, stunt show because first you got to have like the parade and all the cars and all the motorcycles and all the stuff comes out, and there's a band at all of them. And there's a lot of hype. And once he finally comes out, he does a bunch of sort of stunt work where he's driving his motorcycle around and he's standing up on the seat of the motorcycle. He's popping wheelies. He's doing all kinds of stuff. That's all the pre-show. Then we got to get ready for the big jump. The big event takes place. First, he comes out and he's got to ride his motorcycle up to the edge of the ramp. And in this particular jump, this one that's in Los Angeles, he has uh, cages of lions and tigers just sitting in front of him there's no roof it's just bars right so if he doesn't make the jump he's, he's gonna get eaten he's gonna be eaten by lions and tigers all guests from roar yes they're all the extras they're all the extras from roar <laughs> acting for free well you know i'm sure that craft services for a lion or tiger in a film like this well, you give them hamburgers <laughs> i mean they'd probably hot eat them. dogs yeah just throw hot dogs at the lions <laughs> So right, so so he's gone to the edge. He's looked at he's looked death in all of its lion faces. Right, and the then, crowd is is on its on the edge of its seat. You know. Right, I think that right before he jumps, we get the evil Knievel hates drugs monologue. Right. Yeah. He says, "Before I jump, I just want to let you know a few things about drugs. Drugs are like that." You know, I see a lot of young people here in the stands today. So before I make the jump. There's something that I'd like to say to you that's been bothering me for a long time. I go to Indianapolis every year to see the Indy 500. I go there with friends to drive and race. Every year when they go there to qualify, 
They usually have to go as fast as they possibly can to get a front row position. They put nitro in their cars sometimes instead of the fuel that's intended to be in the cars so that their cars will go faster. And they do for five or 10 laps. And then they blow all the hell. And you people, you kids, if you put nitro in your bodies in the form of narcotics so that you can do better, or so that maybe you think you can do better, you will for about five or 10 years. And then you'll blow all the hell. You're a wonderful crowd. I'm glad that you all made it. And I'm going to do my best to make it right across this jump. And so after all of that, he gets on his bike, goes down all the way to the end of the little runway, guns the engine, and takes off. And he lands in the tank full of tigers and sharks and is eaten alive, and that's the end of the movie. It's a very sad movie. No, because we're only half an hour into the movie. Of course he makes it. He makes... He well, kind of makes it. He kind of makes it. And here's the thing. There's really no stunt in this movie that we see that he fully completes successfully. That's weird. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. So we see him jump, and then the, the, the motorcycle lands, and then it kind of just immediately just gets out from under him, and he lands on his head and hurts himself bad enough. That, uh, you know, the ambulance is there. The doctors are out on the field. Everyone's running. Gene Kelly is running. Marjo is running. Uh, the small child that no one wants except for Evil Knievel is running just to, like, pick him up so that he can dramatically say, I want to walk out of here. I walked in. I'm going to walk out. Right. He's like, you broke both of your legs and your arms and you have a concussion. And they're like, no, we, he doesn't care. He wants to walk away. He can walk away. Let's all help him walk away. Right, and they move his spine around a lot and take his helmet off. And <laughs> the guy that takes his helmet off literally shakes his head back and forth, like like yeah, they didn't know about that stuff in those <laughs> days. They didn't know about broken not in nineteen seventy seven. No, they didn't know anything about. No, that. is that still the dark ages of medicine? I know they should have known better. <laughs> they shouldn't have done that. But yeah, they don't take him out on a stretcher. He walks out, but he winds up in the hospital. Right, and he has he's done his last jump. I think he says, "Oh like, it, yes, like, right they before bring he leaves. the microphone." It's like, "Are you okay, evil, evil? Are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? Annie, are you okay?" And he says, "This is my last jump." Ladies and gentlemen, I think you've probably seen my last jump. And he dramatically walks off, right? Mm-hmm. So everyone's sad. <gasps> And then he wakes up in the hospital and he's like, you know what I should do? Let's go do those Mexico jumps. That sounds real good. Right. And they're like, dude, you're, you're, you're literally strapped. Your arm is strapped to yourself so you don't move it. And he's like, no, 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 it's fine. It's, it's a flesh a, wound. It, it's a scene that's very much recreated in The Simpsons when, the, when, when Bart goes and visits. I can't remember the guy who's the, the it was Tom, uh, Hartman. Yeah, uh, it's one of the Phil Hartman characters. Yeah, one of the Phil Hartman characters. And he's like the, the jump guy. And he's in the hospital bed and, and Bart goes and visits him. And he says, you know, uh, bones heal and chicks dig scars, you know, go for it, baby. Yeah. And uh, th- this is very much the same. He's in the hospital bed and the little kid shows up and he's like, hey, evil, I've always looked up to you. And, I, oh, he's like, and so Evil's like, yeah, I guess I got to jump again. Mexico. Yeah, let's go to Mexico. Uh, and he's made a big point of telling Gene Kelly not to drink anymore because Gene Kelly is found sort of drugged and inebriated in the back of his trailer. Yeah. Marjo Gortner spikes his liquor. I know. And then takes a bunch of pictures of that trailer. Cause I don't know if you guys remember just a, a while ago, I explained this ridiculous drug smuggling thing. 
we're still at like the very beginning of that where he has to take all the pictures of the trailer. Well, the trailer is still being fabricated because the the Leslie Nielsen and and uh, his henchmen, yeah, and his henchmen go yeah to to watch the trailer being reconstructed, and they're they're looking on like, why are we spending a hundred thousand dollars to make a a trailer an exact copy? And he's like, shut up, shut yeah. up, we're yeah. gonna do it exactly right. It's got to be. He's like, he's basically like, you gotta spend money to make money, baby. And they're like, right. that's so far we've invested like six hundred thousand dollars in smuggling the drugs over. It's is that gonna. Are we going to pay it back? I think the idea is, and tell me if I'm wrong, I think the idea is the funeral truck right. of Evil Knievel is going to be such a traumatic national event that they're not going to get stopped at the border and searched for drugs. Well, sure, yeah. That, so that's, that's the I mean, only that's part the, of the plan that makes sort of it's sense. Sort of sense is because otherwise, why just, just put it in a regular truck? Just put it in a truck. Yeah, put it in a truck and, and put the evil Knievel thing on the truck and then just have the truck go two minutes later. And right, like, you know, just follow the yeah. caravan. Oh, I'm with the evil. But if evil Knievel was coming back alive, they would probably stop the truck and search evil's. Well, he would truck. probably want to stop at the border and like shake hands and like jump over the border in a motorcycle. <laughs> wow, and... he could jump over a country. He could he could jump over states. He could go to the you know the corner of Utah and oh and the four the four way the, the four, four corners. corners. Yeah, he, yeah, he could ride in four states and jump from just one do, state to the next. Yeah, just do like donuts in your with your. <gasps> Why didn't he bike? do that? He should have done that. That's an event that is easy to sell and also easy to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I could do that probably. Yeah, you know what? You're not going to break. Uh, doing donuts over the four corners, my collarbone, like anything. <laughs> yeah, they said a he sweat, broke like four hundred bones over his lifetime. Are there that many bones? Well, no, I don't think he broke four hundred bones. I think he had fractures of bones four hundred times. Well, sure. Evil Knievel himself said it wasn't that, and but he appeared in the uh, Guinness Book of World Records for having the most bones broken. I mean, he's had his ribs fractured multiple, multiple times. Well, he's sure. had his pelvis fractured multiple, multiple times. That's a big So they one. don't like discount that because, oh, well, you broke that rib before. So you're breaking it again. They don't, they don't like discount that because it's like, oh, it's not an extra bone. He didn't so, break every, you know, like every phalanx in his fingers or anything like that. I mean, so technically I've broken, I've broken seven bones. Yeah. Because I've broken my little toe multiple times. Oh, that hurts. Yeah, it always happened to me during marching band season. Oh, man, it is rough. Because I'm clumsy, and I also was on a swim team where I did kick kick flips to do backstroke, and uh, I almost always would hit my feet against the side of the pool. Yeah. Because I, yeah. That sucks. At least you didn't have to jump a pool full of sharks. I didn't, but that would have been exciting. So what's he going to jump in Mexico? That's the question. Just another ramp. Just a ramp. What's in the, what's under was, there? Was it fire? There, I think well, he was, there was jumping fire. There was some fire, and I feel like there were also maybe some cars. Maybe there were cars on fire. I don't know. Could have been cars on fire, but it was basically it was a big ramp, big yeah. jumping. Well, we're ramp. talking about these motorcycle jumps he's doing. He's he's jumping, you know, like a hundred feet long, mm-hmm. you know, lengthwise over a you know he jumped over like fifteen cars or something. He jumped over a bunch of buses. Uh, th- this is the kind of thing that he would do. So these are really, really uh, spectacular uh, long jumps. This is not like a normal sort of carnival type. Now, Eric, you know. you know there is a there is a competitor out there of Evil Knievel who kind of wants the top spot, and that is Marjo Gortner. 
Right. Now, the reason that he got roped into this plan even a little bit, aside from the fact that he likes drugs, is that he's being promised that once Evil Knievel is out of the way, that he will have an opening to become number one ranked motorcycle guy who jumps things. Right, right. In, in uh, both anthropology and motorcycle. Yes, uh, nationally ranked. Right. And, yes, and, 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 internationally and, like ranked. And, and according to video games, assassins, I think, are yes. also ranked. Mm-hmm, yeah, very like, much yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, I'm an assassin, but I'm ranked three. I still have to go and kill more people in this well, video game. I think my favorite ranking system is the one from One Punch Man. Oh, right, yeah, the One Punch Man one yeah. is good. But yes, yeah, so, so so now we're getting now we're going to Mexico. So we go to Mexico, and Evil drives his fancy special car. Right, right. it's like a penis mobile, basically. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, you could look it up. Evil Knievel's car. I looked it up. I can't remember what it is, but it's like some super special, uh, custom made thing on a, a you know, on a, a Lincoln Continental or mm-hmm. something like that. And they all drive up to the hacienda and. They, the governor's there to the welcome them. The governor's there, and everybody's like, oh, welcome to Evil Knievel, to our lovely country. And they all, like, hang out and said, like, we want your tequila. And they go inside, and it's like a, a tequila fest going on inside. Right. And, you know, at, at one point, Evil Knievel gets on Gene Kelly about being an alcoholic, but then is very much in favor of him drinking tequila. And being like having a good time in Mexico. Yeah, well, you know, if you're an alcoholic, you got it. There's, there's like you could take a break a couple of days and have, you know, just have a little party and sure. then go back to. Go back. I mean, yeah, that's not hard to do. No, 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 yeah. no, definitely not a way of life. And uh, right, yeah. So, but what happens? Well, he gets drunk. That's for sure. But yeah. he also, uh, he's there with Evil Knievel, and Evil's like, "Hey, Mexican press people." Take a picture of this guy, because my mechanic here used to be the number one ranked motorcycle jumping guy in the on the planet. His oh, name yeah, is that's another part of the backstory, right? Right. So so Gene Kelly's character, who is now evil, evil Knievel's mechanic, used to be evil Knievel's mentor until he had a, a bad motorcycle accident and. Uh, various life things, including the small unwanted child, got in the way. Well, the small unwanted child had a scrapbook of all of his dad's great motorcycle jumps, right? Mm-hmm. And he gives it to Gene Kelly, and Gene Kelly's like, throws it away. It's like, fuck, fuck you. this. I don't want to know about any of this. It's all old past shit. Yeah. He's really mean to his kid. Yeah, he really hates his child. He really does. He's really mean. <laughs> Which makes it sort of not believable at the end of the movie when he's suddenly like, my child. There, I, I get the impression with, with a lot of movies a lot of the time that there was extra footage and there was extra stuff that oh, had sure. to be edited out of the movie. Especially, like, I, I think that there must have been a longer time of, like, traveling to Mexico and evil bonding with the boy and, uh, you know, more business with Gene Kelly and uh, that sort of thing. I, I think that the original script probably had much more of that in it. And oh, I'm sure. And they cut that out. And then they were like... We could have a few good scenes with actors that were probably paying more than enough money to be in our movie. Or we could show some really cool motorcycles that we're going to make toys of that we can sell for money. Oh, like the Star Cycle? Yes. Oh, tell them about the Star Cycle. So this is an amazing motorcycle, which I have got to imagine... Uh, is the the basis of um, the Barry Bostwick uh, Megaforce. Mm-hmm. 
uh, the the flying motorcycle in that because it's it's a white motorcycle with like jet wings that come out from it, and it on the front of the motorcycle are these like angry screaming eagle heads, and it's all painted red, white, and blue because America, everybody. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing, and uh, it was made into a toy that was uh, fabricated and sold by the Ideal Toy Company, and it happens to be the number one selling evil Knievel piece of like memorabilia. If you want to get something at top dollar, you get the toy of this particular motorcycle, which was, it was rare because it, I, he used it a few times, but it's mostly from this movie. Well, and, and the movie didn't do very well. Well, and why did the movie not do so well, Eric? Well, because like two months after this movie came out, he attacked his, his manager with a aluminum baseball bat and beat the shit out of him. And mm-hmm. so uh, he went to jail for that. Right. And it didn't really play so well because the movie. They didn't do opening weekend things no, no, in no. movies in those days. The, the movie would run for. Th- for the summer. Yeah, for the whole summer. Yeah. Right. So it opened in June of uh, 1977 and the attack on his real life manager happened in, I believe, September of 1977. Something like that. Yeah. So any sort of like international release of the film any sort of like drive-in second run theaters exactly that kind of thing. was just not going to happen because nobody wanted to be associated with evil knievel anymore right right now but, we, but what happens in the movie and they're in mexico uh gene kelly stumbles on the plot right because he finds the pictures that marjo took in his trailer of the trailer including a picture of him like passed out on his face <laughs> on the That's floor right. of the trailer That's which true. i was just like oh the evidence is there and so he scratches his head and goes like why would they want to do that oh they're gonna make a duplicate of our trailer and put and drugs in it and it's like i figured this all out right and then they drug him what do they do they stick him with a needle yeah that's yeah. how you always drug people but like the instant he finds the evidence he literally turns around and all the bad guys are there. It's like, oh, shit. Um, timing, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's so many threads going on in this movie. They had to do something. Yeah. So but so that results in him being uh, locked up in a mental hospital in a rubber room in a padded cell. Right. Uh, apparently, whatever drugs they gave, it must have been PCP or something. I guess. He was just like wild in the streets. And was he in a straitjacket in there? No, he wasn't in a straitjacket, but he definitely was in a padded cell. And when they bring Evil Knievel to the cell, and this is when Dabney Coleman enters the chat. Oh, the evil doctor. He's yeah, saying. he's like the paid off American doctor that's like, yes, this man is clearly insane. This is a psychiatric hospital in Mexico, but we only treat Americans. Yes, here. only Americans at this evil Mexican. Evil Knievel's like, thank goodness it's yeah. not one of those dirty Mexican hospitals. Oh, my. Yeah, the racism. Know, people get the wrong drugs Racist. and stuff. Well, people go to Mexico now to get operations Surgeries. done because oh, it's yeah. cheaper. Oh, yeah. Any sort of plastic surgery. You get locked away in a padded cell. It could either way. A lot of people go for bariatric surgery, actually. Oh, yeah. To yeah. Mexico. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. You can get it for like $6,000 down there, I'm saying. Well, that's... Don't a... go to Mexico for your surgeries, guys. Unless yeah. you want to support Mexican businesses. <laughs> so, right. So he's locked up in the cell. They bring Evil Knievel over. And they're like, he's clearly insane. And a normal person... If they had been like wrongful, like wrongly thrown into a essentially prison cell, would be like, "Hey, it's my friend. Help me. I'm here." Like they'd use their words and their actions. But what does Gene Kelly do? He he rages like a crazy idiot and bangs against the glass and screaming at evil Knievel like a 
like he's a madman. Yeah, his hair's all disheveled. Yeah, and- I maybe it was like the 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 lingering effects of the drugs because they were like, oh, he's on drugs. And Evil Knievel's like, I no, know no, he's no. an alcoholic, but he never does drugs. He's not a. Dr- he doesn't do drugs. He I don't doesn't do, do drugs. I don't. I don't fuck with people who do drugs. He drinks a fifth of whiskey a day, but he doesn't do drugs. no drugs. No drugs. Not None an of addict. Those dirty drugs. Mm-hmm. No. 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 Right. Not but a- he's locked up in there, and and so that 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 subplot Just involves screaming. Yeah. Then it, that subplot involves Evil having to break him out, but that takes place a little later. Right? Yes. So, you know, Evil, Evil Knievel has got, a, you know, a lot on his plate right now. Yes, he does. He's got a, 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 a budding relationship with Lauren Hutton. Oh, we oh by a, the way, he took her on a, on a motorcycle ride earlier in, in the movie. which Like is, a stunt motorcycle ride. That was pretty cool. I it mean, was. it would be t- totally terrifying to have been riding on the back. So, like, yeah, Lauren Hutton comes up to him and he's like, hey. And she's like, hey. And he's like, you ever been on one of these things? And she's like, fuck no, I don't, I'm not an idiot. And he's like, well, you know, you, you taking pictures of it. You should know about it. And she's blowing him off. And he finally convinces her. She's like, oh, fuck. Okay. Put this helmet on, he says. And she gets on the back of his bike. And he, like, does, like, donuts in the, in the, in the parking lot. His wheel is skidding. He's riding up and down staircases inside the, the arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at, at, at a million miles an hour. I mean, it's, it's the most terrifying thing. And then she gets off and she's like, eh, you know, I've. It's, it's yeah, fine. It's all right. I mean, it's, it's not. Yeah. It's kind of not my thing. It's cute. That's <laughs> it, one of the better sequences in the movie because yeah. there's like a, a it, there's a camera on a truck or something moving along, panning along with him while he's racing around. Yes. And there's some cool shots. They definitely did a very good job of filming all of the all the stunts. There was somebody on the bike behind him, there sitting there holding. Definitely onto was. Him. Yes. He had a passenger on his bike. I don't believe it was Lauren Hutton. No, it definitely. <laughs> Eric and I kept asking each other, like during the movie, a stunt would happen and would be like, is that fill in the blank or yeah. a stunt man? Yeah. Uh, now we should mention that Marjo Gortner uh, actually was a motorcycle racer at, at one phase of his life. Yeah. So well, Evil Knievel was an insurance salesman at one point in his that's life. That's true. He started his own hockey league at one point in his life. Well, you know. Evil Knievel led a very interesting life. But yeah, you know, uh, so Marjo actually knew his way around the motorcycles and he, yeah. he is seen riding. Yeah. He pops a wheelie and rides like ghost riding on a wheelie. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. 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 So it's kind of cool because it's like you could tell that that uh, there was sort of a natural affinity amongst a lot of the people that are doing the stunts and around the motorcycles in the film. You know, whether it's Evil Knievel or Marjo Gortner or the actual stuntmen, they look really good. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, watching the movie this time. I had a different feeling about it because I saw that Marjo Gortner documentary, mm-hmm. Marjo. Uh, we did a show on it. And after seeing that, I have much more uh, interest and respect for Marjo. Mm-hmm. And so when I see him in the movie, it was like the first times I've seen him, it's sort of like he's kind of a joke. He's got these curly hair and he's kind of gangly and he's got a weird name and he was in a bunch of weird 70s stuff. But now after seeing the documentary about how he was a, a child preacher and, and his whole ministry and everything... I have a much greater appreciation for the for the uh, entity that is Marjo Gortner. Well, and it's interesting again because we just watched him doing his preaching uh, in the Marjo doc- documentary. There's a certain cadence that his acting takes that's very similar to the cadence that his preaching took, and so it's it's really interesting to see how that affects characterization and acting and all that kind of a thing. Yeah. I mean, it's probably a heavier analysis than this movie deserves or needs, but I still found it interesting. Yeah. 
So Cameron Mitchell has invented a remote control explosive device. Yes. He's been brought in. He's the demolitions guy. I think he also might be like part of the crew that's building the drug trailer. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah, I think he's just like a bad guy. Yeah. He's a bad mechanic guy. And we're not even going to get started on Cameron Mitchell because we got no more time in the show. We'll do. We should do a Cameron Mitchell month, really. Yeah, we can do that. What month rhymes with Cameron Mitchell? March? No, March, March, March Mitchell? No. I don't know. It's not going to work. You're trying to make Fetch happen. Yeah, I can't do it. Um, But he's he's invented this thing. It's like a a little push button. It's like a little box with an antenna on it. They push the button and it will blow up the motorcycle wheel. And they test it once and it's like, oh, it works great. Yes, but Marjo can't be around for the test because he's, while he's part of the drug smuggling plot, he is not part of the we're going to kill evil Knievel in order to smuggle the drugs plot. So he doesn't know about the exploding tire yet. No. But later on, he, you know, much like Gene Kelly stumbled across the the evidence evidence in the form of photos... The bad guys are all sitting around plotting together about how they're going to kill Evil Knievel and eventually Marjo Gortner, and he's listening from around the corner in the back. Because no like one that. can turn around in a movie. Right. They're all facing the, the camera. Yes. I think they're, they're like in the booth looking down on the yeah, field they're, or no, something. They're, they're doing, so they're kind of sitting yeah. side by side and talking to one another and looking down. So it kind of makes sense. But he's behind them and he mm-hmm. hears that. And he's like, oh, I must. this is fucked up. I got I to gotta do something about this. I got to go tell Evil Knievel. While this is happening, the small unwanted boy child attempts to call his father at the hospital with Lauren Hutton's encouragement. Nothing comes of it. And then there's another jump. Yes. Except this time, it's in Mexico. Well, yeah, now they have the whole thing set up in Mexico. And this time the jump is a little bit more complicated because instead of having a flat sort of surface to accelerate on going onto the up ramp, it's got like a, a declining thing. He was also a ski jumper at some point during oh, his Oh, that makes career. sense with yeah. the, the ramps. Then. So it's sort of like a ski ramp going down. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's up in this little like hut at the top where, you know, he, he rides his motorcycle to the edge, you know, again. Yeah. Look at the, it's all the same pregame, yeah, right? Except instead of, you know, an American band playing John Philip Sousa marches, we've got a Mexican band playing, you know, and put in stereotypical Mexican party music here. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's a little parade. There's like people with, you know, traditional Mexican garb on. There's some people dressed up as Aztecs. Mm-hmm. There's a whole, it's a whole show. Yeah, it is. It's a whole show. So they bring out his, his special car. They special bring out car. his rocket cycle mm-hmm. to jump the canyon. Yep, they bring all out all this things. stuff and display it in the, you know, in the center of the, 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 the arena there. So he drives up the ramp into the little hut. Where he's getting ready to get on his his like final preparation jumpsuit and everything, and who is there? But Marjo Gortner. Yeah, he pops out of <laughs> he pops out of the closet or something. And he's like, "No, I, you can't do this jump. I'm going to do this jump. You don't deserve to be the top guy." Blah blah blah. And you know, Evil Knievel's like, "What the fuck are you talking about? Get out of my way!" So, in in stereotypical movie style. We take a motorcycle helmet and lightly tap Evil Knievel on the head, which instantly makes him... In knees down. Unconscious. Right. Now, Evil Knievel is a, a 30-something-year-old man with a dad bod. Yes. Uh, Marjo Gortner is a skinny, wiry dude who's about three inches taller yes. than Evil Knievel. And yet, he still fits in one of Evil's leather jumpsuits. Yeah, it's a little he tight. Wants to, he wants to fool people. So this is this is Marjo's plan. 
He's like, I'm going to go and get on this bike and do this jump instead of evil. And then when I get down to the bottom, I'm going to pull off my helmet and all this golden hair is going to fall out and everybody's going to go, Marjo, you're the best, not evil. Uh, That's one way of thinking. it. I thought he was like trying to get him to give him the bike so that he, so that the exploding, because he found out about the exploding tire. Did no, Marjo didn't know about the exploding. Oh, tire. he didn't. I no, thought no, that... no. That's that's why he died on that thing. Oh. Yeah. But, well, yeah, spoilers. He dies. <laughs> spoilers for two seconds because beyond he's bad. His, yeah, he goes down the he goes down the ramp. He makes the jump. He does, but in typical evil Knievel fashion, the bike immediately just like falls on top of him. Well, and yeah, he... because Cameron Mitchell presses the explode button. Right. Yeah, but he's wearing Evil's leathers and he's driving Evil's bike with Evil's helmet on. Everybody thinks it's Evil, so right. the bad guys are like, "Yeah, we've done it. Finally, we've, we've destroyed. Evil. He's he's impossible to kill. Finally, Maybe. you and I are very much alike, Mister Knievel. Oh, yes. And so it, then then they rip off his helmet, and, and they're it's like, like, "Oh, oh, it's a dead Marjo Gorton." <laughs> Cameron Mitchell has to make the phone call. He's like, "Well, someone's dead, but it's not Evil Knievel. It's it's Jesse." And yeah. they're all like, oh, well, yeah. we've already packed up the trailer. <laughs> yeah. Let's just send the drugs yeah. anyway. Meanwhile, Evil Knievel gets on Jesse's bike. The, uh, what, the, the, star, the Is it the Star Cycle? Star Cycle, yeah. yeah. And, and he rides it into the insane asylum and busts out. Well, first he does this like weird like cloak and dagger shit where he's dressed up in an orderly's like uniform. Oh, yeah, he's got like a doctor's costume with the, with the high right. collar, the high right. white collar, yeah, and he yeah. like walks That's in. Like a dentist. He yeah. does look like a dentist, especially with the dad bod. Uh he sort of sneaks into the facility and he picks up like the in-house phone and takes it off the the receiver. Yeah, is that to distract the Well, it, it creates the on the switchboard a signal that someone's trying to dial. Oh, yeah. So that's how he distracts it. So the guy right? who's like at the so front like he desk. He made his deception roll. Right. Oh, made, it's like, was that, like, would that be a stealth roll or a deception I roll? think it's, de- well, hmm, that's a good question. Yeah. You could do either, I think. You can yeah. make the argument either yeah. way. Which which one is your higher stat? I think, I think a deception. Yeah. I think that Evil Knievel was a high charisma, but look, well, no, I think Evil Knievel was a high constitution character uh-huh. with a, with a probably a moderate charisma score. Yeah. But yeah, a I very, mean, yeah, a very, very low uh, intelligence. <laughs> high charisma, low intelligence. Yes. Definitely. He's a bard. He's an entertainer. That's true. You know, that's yeah. basically what he is. So, yeah. So first he sneaks in and creates the distraction. And then, I guess, because there's a distraction, riding a big fuck all motorcycle with jet wings through the door of the mental hospital is just going to be okay. Yeah, he breaks off one of the wings when he goes through but the then door. But it's like, seconds later, it's back on. Miraculously. Like, through the little, power of film editing. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of an inconsistency. It's glaring, though. I mean, it's not well, not like we were looking at it with a fine tooth comb. It's like it's easy it, to see. Did they think it was going to fall off? The door was much narrower than the bike was wide. Look, they have so many plot threads to like tie up That's at this true. point, and they got so much. And and now where the movie's getting close to being, uh, you know, an hour and forty minutes long, and so that's like we got to wrap this shit up. And also they were like, so you like know, the, the thing broke, like just you know, it's, fuck it, yeah, we've got some like we've Let's got film. some glue. It's yeah. fine, it'll be fine. They might have filmed that even later, you know, then and the the interior part might have yeah, been filmed maybe. first, and then going through the door might have been later, and then I would have imagine to the cycle back together. But now evil's got the star cycle. He's got and, yeah, and he's he's uh, he's now also got Gene Kelly. Yeah. He's he got Gene Kelly. Yeah, he busts him out. And now, so Evil and Gene Kelly are back together. Lauren Hutton yells at Evil and Gene Kelly and say, you're not treating this boy right. 
Evil gives him gives the boy a little motorcycle and the little boy wipes out. This this happens the before. Yeah, I'm this. just adding it in. But the, you know, to just to tie up this segment of the thing, and she says, you know, Evil, you've been too good to this boy, and you're you're not letting him spend time with his father. And Gene <laughs> Kelly, you're just being a fucking asshole. Just because your wife died in childbirth doesn't mean you should hate your son. <sighs> dun dun dun. And you know, I think you could hate your son. I think that that's a possibility. I don't think you should express it to your son, but I think it's okay to hate your son if he murders your wife. Well, I mean, yeah, the, the, his wife died and he gave up his son for adoption or something. I no, mean, no, I, no. I think he's just always sent him away. Yeah. I think other people have always taken care of the kid. Yeah. Whatever. It doesn't matter. So we learned that little trick. And so uh, Gene Kelly's like, oh, I'll be a better father from now on. Okay. Yes. Fixed. Done. Everything is done. So now we've wrapped up that story. Gene Kelly's kind of out of it. So now Gene Kelly's in favor of the child that he, he previously hated. Lauren Hutton has yelled at everyone. But there's a truck full of drugs headed for America, and evil can't let that happen. Right. And somewhere between point A and point B, Lauren Hutton and the small unwanted child end up in the trailer of the truck. Oh, that's right. The, the drug trailer. Uh-huh. How? I, I've seen the movie several times. I don't remember. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because all that's going to happen for the last 15, 20 minutes of this movie is stunts. Motorcycle chases through the hills of California we got, or Mexico. We got two main motorcycle chases because because uh, Gene Kelly and Evil Knievel are going to ride separate motorcycles to deal with two separate problems. Problem number one, bad guys. They're in a Porsche. They're going to chase Gene Kelly. Yeah, 911 Targa. Nice oh, wait, wait, wait. They chase... They chase evil. They chase evil. Right. So they're going to chase evil through. So evil's leading him on a merry chase through all these dirt roads and stuff. And, and the guy f- driving the Porsche, he's doing a nice job. Right? Yeah. Like, but the Porsche super- is, is it, at least character wise, is Leslie Nielsen and his main goon. Right. Right. And so evil fucks up a number of small Mexican businesses while he is being chased by this Porsche. Yeah. A fruit stand. An entire bar that he drives his motorcycle in and then just destroys donuts all in of the, the bar, tape. right? Yeah, like, it's like, okay, oops, I, I drove into a bar. I just, I'll turn around and drive out of the bar. No, no, no. Fuck this shit up, No, man. I'm going to destroy all of this. This poor barkeep is watching a, a crazed American man in red, white, and blue just destroy all of his, inventory all of his tables gone, right? yeah. and his customers. Right, right. He's never going to be in business again. He's so, going to die alone and afraid. Because so of evil Knievel. The end result of this motorcycle chase is that uh, the Porsche drives off the road and explodes. You Boom. know, in okay. A, in a stupid visual effect. Uh, it's pretty bad. <laughs> like, it's really bad. It's pretty bad. The chase is kind of cool. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. filmed well. And uh, there's I mean, neat, it's they're driving up and down mountainsides yeah, and, and, yeah. you and, know, and, jumping. That, and that type of car is not meant to be driving on dirt roads. That's a car that's meant to be driving on, on streets. Right. It's a you sports know, it's a, car. It's a sports car meant to be driving. <laughs> it's not on an off road. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's more like a GT type. Yeah. You know, like a like a race car. So and, Leslie uh, Nielsen and his goon are dead in an explosion. So Evil Knievel has won the day. Also, at some point in time during this last sequence, Evil Knievel has a gun. Where did the gun come from? I don't know, but he shoots it a couple of times. Doesn't seem like a very, like, wholesome, wholehearted, like, hero thing to do. Well, he's an American hero, so he gets a gun. That's true. That is true. Through to his core. So that's chase number one. Chase number two involves Gene Kelly and the trailer. Correct? Right. 
But somehow evil ends up jumping onto the top of the trailer off like the, the, the Well, that's because they drive Gene Kelly off the road and he goes tumbling down. Oh, that's the right. Yeah, that was Gene Kelly actually doing that stunt. <laughs> Probably. They're like, hey, Gene. Hey, Gene, look. <laughs> so we, they're just like walking. Just walk along this path. And then he just took a tumble. Yeah, it's just we're going to throw a motorcycle and you just have to roll down the hill. I'm not doing that. How about if we give you a case of whiskey extra <laughs> for today? Right. You just drink this whiskey. <laughs> just drink, roll down drink this a hill. lot of it and then roll down the hill. All right. I'll People do are going to love it. I'll do it. It's fine. It's a stunt. So, so now, so Gene Kelly is out of the picture for now. Yes. He might so, be dead. We don't know. We don't know. Uh, and the kid and Lauren Hutton are in the back of the trailer somewhere. Right. And Evil Knievel has to go after the trailer. And that's when we see probably the best stunt that they do in the whole movie, which is jumping off a hill over like a highway overpass thing. Yeah. The truck is going through a tunnel. Right. A tunnel. And the, uh, and the tunnel is like through a, like a mountainside, a grassy mountainside or something mm-hmm. like that. So evil rides up the grassy mountainside and then runs like along that there and like goes over the top of the tunnel and lands on the top of the truck, of the truck, which is great. This is a great stunt. Yeah. Did he do it? Probably not. I don't know. The way it was cut together made it at least seem a little suspicious. It looked like they did it. And somebody then, had to have done it for the, the frontal shot. Yeah. You see the, yeah. And then you see the landing sort of separately. So maybe it was they, cut together. Yeah. But now evil Knievel's like hanging on to there's this like Indiana Jones now. Right. You know, he's hanging on to the right. truck. Cameron Mitchell's like climbing out of the truck, like to shoot at him. <laughs> Poor Cameron Mitchell. Yeah. Like, I got a gun. I'm going to shoot him. He's on the trailer. I mean. Yeah. Cameron Mitchell, dead. Right. Uh, evil gets into the trailer. Everything is. They stop yeah. the trailer. They reunite everybody. Lauren Hutton and the small unwanted child are sitting by the side of the road waiting for evil to take care of business. And then, of course, out of nowhere, Gene Kelly, who's still alive, comes wandering up to them and is now a good father and loves his son. Right. And then we go to cut to the end and we see Evil Knievel jumping again. Right. On the, like, I guess it's the second showing at the, the Mexican arena. Oh, that's right. He had a second time at the Mexican right. arena. So right. this was his second show and he, he does the stunts. And of course they show him jumping over the fire and then he lands and then it freeze frames. So and we then back to the cool song. We don't actually see whether or not he sticks the landing, but that's that's okay because he didn't right. at any point in time in this well, he's movie. He's got to leave you wanting more. You I, well, he like, he does because for a stunt man, he doesn't do very many good stunts. No, he no, falls he down a he lot, wipes out a lot. Mm-hmm. I you know, and I think it kind of plays into the whole Lauren Hutton thing. I mean, wh- why did people go see these daredevils? Uh, uh, I I made a uh, I rolled my eyes and made a sour face because I think that a good proportion of them go there to see somebody crash and die. Yeah, that's why people watch NASCAR. I, yeah, I mean, it's the crashes are the cool parts. Yeah, I mean, look, it's horrible that somebody might die, but, like, you might see them, like, you might see their see head come off. See a 2,000 pound car going it's 200 explode. miles an hour spinning and rolling. Yeah, and, you know, smashing like, into other people. Yeah, yeah. Or you see a guy in a motorcycle wipe out, you know, wind up in a cage full of tires being torn apart. I mean, that's pretty awesome. I mean, it's like why people went to see that dude uh, uh, do the high wire thing between the two buildings. Oh, that was a scary movie. Yeah. I can't call it. Man on a wire. Yeah. 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 I mean, people, yeah, it, it's, it's, if it's there's a death high, defying, if there's a high possibility of death, like we all want to see that shit because you know, like 90% of the time death will happen. Well, I, I would you recommend this movie? I would. Yeah, I mean, I think a, look, it's, it's fun. It's a good movie for like friends over for bad movie night. That's a good one for that. Yeah. It's a good one to laugh and point and kind of, uh, 
you know, you can kind of be in and out of the room. You don't necessarily need to follow this complicated plot because most of it just kind of like. It's just a 70s movie. It goes around and around and there's, around and it comes there's out There's bad people. Yeah. There's trucks. There were a lot of movies involving trailers and truck trailers and shit oh, like trucks that. Trucks were hip in the seventies. Oh man. my god, convoy! Like, they were like kinda... the they, they were the the cowboys. They were they were like. What's the, the one with Clint Eastwood? Is that every which way but yeah, loose? every which way but loose. Yeah, yeah, he was a trucker with an orangutan. Yeah, yeah. that's I mean that's entertainment. Well, and then guys. there was BJ and the Bear. It was oh, a trucker with a with a chimp. When was Cannonball Run? That was I know that's not necessarily <laughs> that a truck, the, but that, that was, was a trucker with Sally Field. Yeah, no, no, no. He had a Trans Am full of a, like Coors beer, or something. right? Something like that. Uh, yeah, th- there were a lot of like chase movies, car and movies, car movies, uh-huh. and action movies involving trucks and cars and stuff. And they did stunts in those days with yeah. real cars and trucks. There was no digital effects. Or there was anything. no X Games, so you couldn't see people like skateboarding and like shooting themselves off of cliffs <laughs> with boards strapped to their feet. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, before we did the show, we were kind of musing, like, whatever happened to daredevils? And it seems like they're they just they kind of faded away. I think you were when we were discussing it. You mentioned like, well, you think the jackass guys are kind of the evolution of it and i think that there's still guys doing this there's still guys yeah, doing there's still stupid guys doing stupid motorcycle jumps and, and stuff, stuff. Yeah. yeah there's a you know the the records that evil knievel set were broken in the 2000s by people yeah so i mean it's it's not like it's gone away but the the interest in it has faded to almost nothing right i mean when i was growing up back in kansas uh you could still go to see like the monster trucks at the arena, you yeah, know, Truckosaurus, Truckosaurus and, and, you know, yeah. watching cars. Oh yeah. And Rockford, that was like that. It was mm-hmm. like super duper Truckosaurus country. Yeah. Monster trucks were big. Tractor pulls were kind of cool. You know, it's kind of shit like that. Uh, does that play here in Chicago? Probably not though. I yeah. honestly, I would watch a monster I've truck. Seen it. I'd watch it on I'd TV. Still, yeah. If I was at a bar and it was on TV, I'd watch it. But you asked me if I would recommend this movie and I would say, yeah, cause it's full of a lot of hate that guys, right? right? There's a lot of people that you've seen in other things. It came out in the seventies and has very much like a movie of the week, like TV movie thing. Cause there's not really any like blood or gore and there's not really like any like super pg-13 kind of shit it's just you know action i I don't know what this movie was rated but i think you could say it's a g-rated movie for that time i mean it had action and and violence i think it it was very very it was pg mild i think that the reason that it got that rating was because of the stunts because you know you don't want to encourage the children to you're gonna jump springfield gorge on your on your uh, skateboard yeah Thanks for listening to Cinema Super Collider. You can find us online at anchor.fm, but you can also subscribe to our podcast via any of the major podcast networks, including the Apple Store, Spotify, and others. If you'd like to email us, you can reach us at cinemasupercast at gmail.com. Thanks, and we hope to see you again in the future. Make that deep, he's a man.